In our last class of tafsir of the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, explanation of the Book of Allah azza wa jal, through the seer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we stopped on ayat as siyam the verses relating to fasting or the obligation of fasting in the month of Ramadan. And the beginning of this, we said that fasting was obligated upon the ummah in which of hijrah, second year of hijrah of the Prophet And likewise, the battle of Badr, it took place when? The second year of hijrah of the Prophet So these ayat of siyam, we've been going through them. And we began with the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu kutiba alaykum usiyah. Oh, you believe fasting has been prescribed or obligated upon you. And we took from this ayah in the beginning many benefits and hukum. And I got you to extract the benefits and also the rules and regulations from this ayah. And then went to the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Shahru Ramadan. That's the last one we did. Alladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an. And likewise this verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said the month of Ramadan in which the Quran was set down. We took from this verse, we, not I alone, all of us, benefits and rules and regulation. As a quick revision inshaAllah ta'ala, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Shahru Ramadan. We took from this a benefit that this month in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated upon us fasting is called what? Ramadan. And we said it's called Ramadan. Why is it called Ramadan? Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when Allah ta'ala obligated fasting, it was a time of severe heat, dryness, or scorching heat. And the word Ramadan, we said it comes from what? Ramadan, which means dryness and severe heat. Also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ In which the Qur'an was set down. We took from this what? That the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was revealed when? In the month of Ramadan. Jayyid? And also there was a hukum. What did this ayah affirm concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Naam, the highness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah ta'ala said, unzila. It was sent down. This affirms what? The highness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the ruling of the one that's traveling, the one that's ill, and so on and so forth. Now today, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do the same thing, get benefits and rules and regulations. But today's class, when it comes to this ayat of siyam, today's class is probably the most important of it all. The verse which we're going to go today, inshallah ta'ala, it will be the most important of this ayat of siyam. And why is this going to be the most important the ayat of siyam? The reason it's going to be the most important of the ayat of siyam, the verse of fasting is, what we're going to look at today is an act of ibadah. Psalm is an act of ibadah, but the act of ibadah we're going to look at today, min anfa'i al-qurubat. The act of worship we're going to look at today is from the most beneficial qurubat, from the most beneficial things that will bring you close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's from the greatest. In fact, the ulama say it is the greatest form of what? Obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because this act of ibadah which we're looking at today, inshallah ta'ala, which is mentioned in ayat of siyam, and that siyam was obligated when? The second year of hijrah. And likewise, the battle of Badr took place, second year of hijrah. And when we look at the battle of Badr, 
the tactics, the strategies of the Prophet sallallahu There's something the Prophet sallallahu it did each and every single step of the way. And what was that? A dua. And this is not unique to the Prophet sallallahu In fact, when you read the Quran, you find a du'iyah, the dua of the Anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Da'a Zakariya Rabbah. Or the dua of Nuh, inni maghlubun fantasim. Fada'a Rabbahu. He called upon his Lord and defeated Fantasim and all the Anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That in the battle of Badr, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi every single step of the way. And likewise, the Anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you find a dua, a dua, a dua. So what we're going to look at today, inshallah ta'ala, is the greatest act of worship. In fact, not only is it the greatest act of worship, it, it of itself is worship, a dua. Because when we look at worship, in our definition, what is ibadah? What does it mean to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is our definition of worship? Atadallul, humility before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hubban wa ta'zeeman of love and exaltation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you're making dua, you find this humility in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So dua in of itself is what? Is ibadah. And that's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith, Ad-du'a'u huwa al-ibadah. Du'a is ibadah. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam read the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ مُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ And your Lord has said, make du'a, I will answer you. Those who are too proud and haughty to make du'a, too proud and haughty to do what? To worship me. They will enter the hellfire and humiliation. So that ayah, it began with what? A dua. And it concluded, concluded with what? Worship. Meaning dua and worship are synonymous. And this shows the status of dua. The Prophet said, A dua wa ibadah. Dua is ibadah. And ibadah is what we created for. And this shows the importance of dua. And due to the importance of the dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala iftataha kitabahu bid-du'a Allah ta'ala his book the Quran he starts with du'a yes or no? yes because one of the names of Surah Al-Fatiha is what? Surah Al-Du'a because in Surah Al-Fatiha is a du'a ihdina sirat al-mustaqim to show the importance of du'a Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he concluded the Quran with what? with du'a قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ With dua. The Quran began with dua and it ended with dua. أَعْظَمْ سُورَةٌ Or the greatest or the longest surah the book of Allah Ta'ala Surah Al-Baqarah What does Surah Al-Baqarah conclude with? A dua. This dua that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said I have been given something the likes of nobody has ever been given before. And these are the last two verses of what? Surah Al-Baqarah. The importance of dua. So this particular ayah and the benefits and the hukum of it will take longer maybe than the other ones. So in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the ayat of siyam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِ عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala began by saying, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِ عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ That when my slave, he asks you, 
of me. Ida sa'alaka. When he asks you. Now, who is being addressed there? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ida sa'alaka. When they ask you. So the one being addressed there is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And who's doing the asking? Ibadi. When my slave or my servant asks you. Ibadi. And the slaves that are being addressed there are who? Ibadullah subhanahu wa ta'ala amurad bihi ibad shari'i ibad shari'iya those who worship Allah according to that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated because every single human being is a what? is a abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but one being addressed there what? those who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bima shara'a they worship Allah ta'ala according to what he has legislated because ibadah is two times. Sah? There's ibadah shari'iyah. There's ibadah according to what Allah Ta'ala has legislated. And what other ibadah is there, Yaba Salman? Al ibadah? Barakallahu feek. Al ibadah to Universal worship. Meaning you're subservient to the rules and regulations of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. And that's what Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says in the Quran. In kulluma fi samawati wal ard. Every single thing. In the heavens and the earth, how does it come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It comes to Allah ta'ala ati rahman kayf abda as a slave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're forced to. This is ibadah kawniya. This is worship according to universal law of Allah azza wa jal. But the ones being mentioned here are the ones that do ibadah shari'iya, they worship Allah according to what he has legislated. And what is the proof of ibadah shari'iya? The saying of Allah azza wa jal. The slave of our Rahman are those who walk upon the face of the earth in humility. This is Ibadah Sharia. Likewise, Al Islam, for the brothers that come to the Usul of the class, Islam is of two types. There's Istislam, they're submitting to the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or surrendering to it. And it's Islam and Kawniya, submitting to the universal laws of Allah Azza wa What is the proof of Islam and Kawniya, universal Islam, that everyone is included in? To Allah submits everything in the heavens and the earth. This is Islam, what? Kawniya. As for Islam is Sharia, Islam according to Allah Ta'ala is legislated in the Deen in the Allah and Islam. Jayyid? So the ibad Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is addressing here if they ask you concerning me, those who worship Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala according to that which Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has legislated. فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ I am near. No, more, no, most of the time, when you get ayat as سَأَلَكَ يَسْأَلُونَكَ Yes? What follows? Every single verse when the Sahaba anhum, they will ask the Prophet and Allah in the Quran will come to say to them, قل, قل. As for this ayah, to show there's no wasita, no intermediary when it comes to dua between you and Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah Ta'ala answered them directly, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ There's no qul, there's no say to them, Muhammad. فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Tell them I'm near. 
Tell them, uh, not tell them, rather, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ I am near. There's no tell them in this ayah. فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ فَاللَّهُ تَعَالَى قَرِيبٌ Allah Ta'ala is near. وَلَكِنْ in the ayah that preceded this, in order for us to understand this ayah, we still have to look at the ayah that came before and the ayah after. In the ayah that preceded this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Unzila fihi al-Qur'an. The Qur'an was sent down. And the reason, this why it's important to look at what came before and after is, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said he sent out the Qur'an, it means Allah ta'ala is high. Here Allah ta'ala is saying, Qareebun, he is near. So what do we understand? The nearness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not negate the fact that Allah ta'ala is what? Is high. You have to take it in the whole context. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is qareebun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is near. Fi'ulu. Along with his highness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, aliyun. Allah ta'ala is high with his closeness to you. You have to understand it in this context. فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَجِيبُ الدَّعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِ I answer the call of the one that calls upon me when he calls upon me. So a person, when he calls upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is Lord, Allah ta'ala, he answers his what? He answers his dua. And this is wa'ad. وَلَا يُكْرِفُ اللَّهُ النِّعَانِ This is a wa'ad from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala does not break his promise. So Allah ta'ala said, when he asks me, or calls upon me, an answer is a dua. Tayyib. And dua, there are many texts in the Quran regarding a dua, and they come in four ways. And the four ways are either Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises the believers for making dua, or number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages a dua. Number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns against leaving what? A dua. And number five, the greatness of the word of dua. So in this ayah, Allah ta'ala says, whoever calls upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will answer their dua. Now, this is a difficult concept for many of people to grasp or to accept everybody that calls upon Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah Ta'ala answers their dua. And this difficulty in grasping this is nothing new. In fact, Hafid ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions that this concept that people find difficult to grasp, he went into and explained it by saying, some people came to Hafid ibn Hajar, Jayyid. And they asked him about the answer of dua. But before we go to that, we said Allah Ta'ala's promise to answer dua, Jayyid. What people find it difficult to grasp. Is there any other evidence we're going to help you find it difficult to grasp the fact? Is there any other evidence that Allah Ta'ala answers a dua so long as you call upon him, he answers your prayer? That we've mentioned today, other than this ayah. There's another ayah we mentioned today. Your Lord said, call upon me, I will answer you. That's a proof that Allah Ta'ala has obligated upon you dua. And who's responsible for answering? He guaranteed, I'm going to answer you. And that's why Sufyan Athori, he used to say, 
يَا مَنْ أَحَبُّ عِبَادِهِ إِلَيْ مَنْ سَأَلَهُ فَأَكْثَرَ سُؤَالَهُ وَمَنْ يَأْبْغَضُ عِبَادِهِ إِلَيْ مَا لَمْ يَسْأَلُهُ وَلَيْسَ غَيْرُكَ كَذَلِكَ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهُ Sufyan Athori used to say, Oh, the one, meaning Allah Azza wa Jal, that the most beloved of his slave to him is the one that asks him consistently. And all the one that the most hated of his slaves to him is the one that doesn't ask him. And nobody other than you is like that. Nobody other than Allah Azza wa Jal that loves to be asked and hates not to be asked. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the proof that Allah ta'ala answers the dua, and in loves to answer the dua, is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in a hadith in Tirmidhi, he said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ حَيِّيٌّ كَرِيمٌ Allah ta'ala, حَيِّيٌّ is very sharp. كَرِيمٌ is very generous. يَسْتَحْيِي مِنْ عَبْدِهِ إِذَا رَفْعَ يَدَهُ إِلَيْهِ أَنْ يَرُدَّهُمَ السِّفْرَاءِ Allah Ta'ala is hayyun kareem. He's shy and he's generous. He is shy when the servant raises his hand to him that Allah Ta'ala will cause him to lower his hand or for the hand to go back. Sifra, empty-handed. Likewise, hadith of Prophet which he said, يَنزِلُ رَبُّنَا تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى كُلَّ لَيْلِ كُلَّ لَيْلَةِ إِلَى سَمَاءِ الدُّنْيَا حِينَ يَبْقَى ثُلُثُ اللَّيْلَ الْأَخِيرِ فَيَقُولُ مَنْ يَدْعُونِ فَأَسْتَجِيبُ لَهُ وَمَنْ يَسْأَلُنِي فَأُعْتِيَهُ وَمَنْ يَسْتَغْفِرُنِي فَأَغْفِرُ لَهُ That our Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ينزل It descends to the lower heavens every single night وَهُوَ يَقُولُ And Allah ta'ala is saying مَنْ يَدْعُونِي Who is the one invoking me? فَأَسْتَجِيبُ لَهُ So I may answer him مَنْ يَسْأَلُنِي Who is seeking from me? So I may give him وَمَنْ يَسْتَغْفِرْنِي And who is asking my forgiveness so I may forgive him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he loves to answer a dua. Now, if this is the case, some people came to Hafid al-Hajar, rahimahullah ta'ala, and they said to him, and these are jama'ah, not like just any jama'ah, a group of people. In fact, this is a jama'ah, a group of people that were rubbah, people that worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sulaha, righteous people. And they say, دَعُوا وَبَالَغُوا وَلَمْ يُجَابُوا That they've made dua constantly. They've made dua constantly. But yet, their dua has not been answered. So Hafid bin Hajar, he said to them, طَيِّبْ دَعُوا الْجَوَابِ And the answer to this, when somebody said, I've made dua, I've made dua, I've not been answered. He said, the answer to this is that أَنَّ الْإِجَابَةَ تَتَنَوَّعَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answering a dua, it varies. He said, فَتَارَةً يَقْعَ الْمَتْلُوبِ بِعَيْنِهِ عَلَى الْفَوْرِ When you invoke Allah Ta'ala, supplicate to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, what you're asking for or what you're seeking, one way is, it will be fulfilled immediately. The second ijabah, the second way Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala answers a dua, يَقْعَ وَلَكِنْ يَتَأَخَّرُ It will happen, but it will be delayed لِحِكْمَةٍ Due to a wisdom Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has for it to be delayed. So a dua doesn't mean it's answered immediately. It may be delayed. In that Allah Ta'ala has answered your dua. Likewise, thirdly, وَتَارَةً قَدْ تَقْعَ طَيِّبٌ And sometimes it may happen 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not give you exactly what you ask for. It gives you that which is better for you and more suitable for you. And there's many a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that points to this fact. A hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Tirmidhi wa Hakim. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَا عَلَى الْأَرْضِ مُسْلِمٌ يَدْعُو بِدَعْوَ إِلَّا آتَاهُ اللَّهُ إِيَّاهُ أَوْ صَرَفَ عَنْهُ مِنَ السُّوءِ مِثْلَهَا There's not a Muslim upon the face of the earth that calls upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him what he wants or he removes from him an evil. Subhanallah. So when a person makes dua for example for Allah ta'ala to bless him with a beautiful home him not getting it, he may either get it immediately, it may be delayed, or he doesn't get that exact thing, but Allah Ta'ala will either give him something which is better or remove and harm from him. So the answering of dua is more general than getting exactly what you ask for. We have to understand this. And that's why in the hadith, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Allah Ta'ala when he descends, he said, Man yad'uni, who is calling upon me, I may ask him, I may answer him. Man yas'aduni, who is asking me, I may give him so there's a difference between asking and supplicating there's a difference between answering and giving do you understand brothers there's a difference between supplicating and asking there's a difference between giving and answering your dua طيب. another hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that there's not a Muslim that calls upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a dua that doesn't contain sin or cutting off the, tip, uh, the ties of kinship except Allah will give him one of three things either Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will answer his dua give him that thing immediately by giving him that thing immediately or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will keep that thing for him in the way in the hereafter in the akhirah or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove an evil from him, the similitude of what he asked for. Allah will remove an evil from him. Therefore, the answer of dua is more general than being given exactly what you asked for. Number two, the second part of the answer is this. That dua in being answered is like all other acts of worship. A'mal al-saliha. And every single act of worship, there is a what? There's a shout. There's a condition. There's conditions of a dua. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِذَا دَعَانَ أَوْ أَنصَرْ dua, So long as it calls upon me, calls upon me with the what? With the conditions of dua. And for dua, or like other acts of worship, there's mawani. There's things that prevent it being accepted. So there are things, conditions for acceptance of dua, and things that prevent dua being answered. So long as you come with the conditions and you abstain from the things that stops your dua being answered, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will answer the, the dua. For you. Now, Uthameer rahimahullah ta'ala, idha da'an. That's why I went on to mention that a dua, when you call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it has shuroot, it has conditions. We're going to go through these conditions. Ashabatul awwal. The first condition from it is ikhlas. Sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't make shirk of Allah ta'ala when it's going upon Allah ta'ala in dua. This is the first condition. The second condition 
is husnul dhan billahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. To have a good thought concerning Allah Azza wa Jal. As Allah Ta'ala said in Hadith Qudsi, Ana inda dhan abdi bi, I am as my servant thinks of me. If you have husnul dhan, which is good thought concerning Allah Azza wa Jal, that Allah will help me, Allah has the ability. Have husnul dhan, it's going to be answered. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is as you think of him. Husnul dhan billahi Azza wa Jal. Thirdly, shu'ur al-insan bil-iftiqar ila Allah Ta'ala to feel and to have that feeling and consciousness that what? You have need of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Ya Mus'ab, kana lafiya? Huh? You sure? Tayyib, tashi yanzu. Tayyib, to have good thought of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Thirdly, as we mentioned, to feel your need of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Fourthly, ijtinab, to stay away, aklul haram, to stay away from eating that which is haram. And when we say that which is haram, we don't mean in of itself, like pork or drinking alcohol. We mean even earnings which are haram. Earnings which are what? Which are haram. And Uthaymi rahimahullah ta'ala brought a hadith of Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, al-rajul yutilu safar a man who's on a long journey, his hair, is full of dust, is closed as become disheveled, and he stretches his hand to the heaven, saying, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb. But yet, Mat'amuhu Haram, his food is Haram, his drink is Haram, and that which he's wearing is Haram. How would Allah Ta'ala answer that dua? In this hadith of the Prophet, this particular hadith of the Prophet, there's some things that the Prophet specifically alone has been given. Only, and one of those things he was given is what? Jawami'ul Kalim. That he will say a few words, but it has many meanings. This hadith is what they use as an example of Jawami'ul Kalim. That the Prophet said a few words, but in those few words, it contains the adab, the etiquette of calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the conditions of du'a being accepted and the things that prevent du'a being accepted. Just in a few words in this hadith. So in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that a man is upon a long journey and his hair is disheveled, full of dust, his clothes is dirty, he's in a desperate situation and he calls upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But yet his food is haram, his drink is haram, his clothes is haram. How does he also accept Allah to answer his du'a? So from this, we're going to extract the etiquette of how to call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jayyid. The first, from those etiquettes, Jayyid, is from the things, from the greatest things that prevent dua being answered is what? Eating of what? Of haram. Eating that which is haram. Jayyid, from the greatest thing that prevent or haram earning your dua being answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why one of the Sahaba, Sa'id ibn al-Qas, was asked, Jayyid, how do you want the ask, Lama su'ila Sa'id ibn al-Qas, to stajab da'wataka min bayna ashabi al-Rasul. Sa'id ibn al-Qas was one of the Sahaba, radiallahu anhu, that when he made dua, his dua was always answered. So they asked him, how come amongst the companions of the Prophet you're the one? That many of the times you make dua, your dua is accepted. He said, مَا رَفَعْتُ إِلَى فَمِي لُقْمَةً 
illa wa ana alimun min ayna majiuha wa min ayna kharajat he said i have not raised a single morsel of food to my mouth except i know where it is coming from and where it left from every single morsel of food i put in my mouth that's why my dua is answered by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so from the greatest preventative things that stops a person's dua being answered is what eating haram طيب. from the adab of dua from the things that from the etiquette of dua or causes a dua to be answered what did the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam start with in his hadith what, do, what how does the hadith begin how does the hadith begin journey so from the etiquettes or the causes of dua to be answered rather this is the causes is to be on a long journey that itawalatu safar one of the ways that a, du- a person's dua is answered the causes for dua to be answered is a long journey as in the hadith of prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam thalatha da'awat mustajabat la shakka fihinna three da'awat three types of dua they are answered with no doubt whatsoever the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said da'watul madhum the dua of the one that's been in what being oppressed da'wat al-musafir the dua of the traveler wa da'wat al-walid li waladihi and the dua of a father for his son so in the hadith three types of dua they answered answered da'wat al-mazlum the calling of what the one who is being oppressed now in the ayah we said allah ta'ala said if your servant if my servant asks of me and the servant allah ta'ala is talking about here is what the ones that worship allah So if the da'wah the calling of the one that's been oppressed is answered is the dua of the kafir that's been answered that's been oppressed answered Yes barakallahu feek there's no contradiction between the two because idha sa'alaka meaning if the sahaba those with you the believers that ask you concerning me ujib da'wah i answer the call of the one that's calling the one answering the question is not necessarily the one doing what making the dua So the da'wah, the dua of the kafir who is being oppressed is answered by Allah Azza wa Jal. Even if the one oppressing him is a Muslim. And what is the proof of this? That the dua of the kafir is accepted? The hadith Qudsi, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ibadi, O my servants, Inni haramtu dhul ala naswa ja'altu baynakum wa haramu. O my servants, I've made dhul prohibited for myself and I made it prohibited amongst you. Hey Allah Ta'ala says oh my servants. Which servants Allah Ta'ala calling to? Those who worship according to Sharia or the servants? Every single one. And that's why it's important to know the difference between ibadah shar'iyya wa ibadah kawniyya. This is ibadah kawniyya. So when Allah Ta'ala says ya ibadi oh my servants, it means every single one in the creation. I have made oppression haram upon myself and amongst you haram so da'wat al-madhum la yurad is not is not turned out that dua there's no fill between it and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hadith that when the one that is oppressed it calls upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah ta'ala says in the hadith Qudsi wala ansurannaka this is a statement of Allah I'm certainly going to aid you walau ba'dahin even if it's after a while you'll be aided number two the one that's traveling and that's why when you're upon a journey make dua and number three the father for his son and opposite also applies the curse of his father or curse a father cursing his son that also applies 
So a person must do the best and the utmost to have the what? The dua and the blessing of the father in most things they do. Very, very important. And the blessing of the mother. Very, very important. Tayyip. Number two, the Prophet sallallahu mentioned that from the etiquette of dua, that this person, what is the state of this person? Disheveled, dusty. That from the etiquette of dua to be in a state of humility and humbleness. Yes? And this likewise goes a dua to be answered. And that's why the Prophet sallallahu says in hadith, the Prophet said hadith, maybe the one that his hair is dusty, clothes, disheveled. Yes, it looks in a bad state. The one that most people turn away from their doors. If he was to say such and such a thing will happen, Allah will cause it to happen. Even though he's just looking at his state. But his appearance is one of humbleness and humility. Also, the Prophet sallallahu hadith Ibn Abbas when they ask about the Prophet is salah for istisqa, the salah of seeking rain. That kharaja Rasulullah he will leave in a way mutawadi'an, in a humble state, in a state of humility, the Prophet In the hadith likewise, he mentioned yadain in a sama. He stretched his hand towards the what? Towards the sama. From the etiquette of dua is to raise your hand. And the proof of that is the hadith we mentioned that Allah Ta'ala hayyun kareem. Allah is shy. Allah is generous. Yastahyi. He is shy. That the servant raises his hand and he comes back with what? With nothing. From the etiquette of dua. Al-Rabi'. Fourthly, from the etiquette of dua is al-ilha. Is to be constant, consistent. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once, twice. Keep asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the Prophet sallallahu said, One of you is your dua will be answered. So long as it's not what? It's hasty. So the Sahaba said, Prophet how is it hasty? He said, the way it's hasty is that he said, Da'awtu Rabbi falam yastajibli. I've called upon Allah, he's not answer my dua. He said, you have to keep constantly ilha. Be upon dua, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from the fourth etiquette is al-ilha. And where is this etiquette in this hadith? Where is this etiquette in this hadith? Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb. He constantly will call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Along with etiquette of repeating, what do we find in this hadith? The rububiyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mention the Lordship of Allah azza So be consistent along with what rububiyah. With what? Rububiyah. And that's why you look at the dua of the anbiya. Rabbana, 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 Rabbana. In Nigeria, I have a book of Rabbana. You know the, uh, the dua of Rabbana, 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 Rabbana. That is to be consistent along with Rabbana, Rabbana, Rabbana. Mention the rububiyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jayyib, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, that الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جَنُوبِهِمْ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Those who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala standing, sitting and upon their side, thinking and contemplating upon the creation of the heavens and the earth. رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا You did not create this in falsehood. Jayyid, Subhanaka faqina adab Indeed, all glory is due to you. You're free from all perfection. Save us from the hellfire. And then what follows? 
ربنا إنك من تدخل النار فقد أخزيت وما لقالبين من أنصار whatever you cause to enter the hellfire indeed humiliated and the oppressors have no aid ربنا again ربنا إننا سمعنا أو our Lord we've heard a caller ينادي للإيمان calling to إيمان أن آمنوا بربكم فآمنا that believe in your Lord and we've believed ربنا فاغفر لنا our Lord please forgive us ذنوبنا our sin وكفر عنا سيئاتنا and expate from us our evil deeds وتوفنا مع الأبرار and cause us to be with Abrah, the righteous one. Rabbana atina ma wa'attana. Again, our Lord, give us that which you've promised us. Ala rusulik. From your messengers. Wala tukhzina yawm al-qiyamah. And do not disgrace us on the day of judgment. Innaka la tukhlifu al-mi'ad. You never break your promise. Fastajaba lahum rabbuhum. And their Lord answered them. Anni la udhi'u amal amilin minkum. I will never cause the action of what acts from amongst you to be lost. So etiquette of dua. Awalan, itaalatu safar, asafar. Secondly, humility. Thirdly, constantly asking. And third, what did we say? Firstly, consistently. Thirdly, along with mention will be Allah Never give up on dua. And lastly, and fourthly, is what? Last is consistency, right? First is from the condition mentioned from the hadith. Firstly, travel. Secondly, raise your hand in dua. Thirdly, humility before Allah Azza wa Jalla. And that's why I find even from the sunnah of it's this art to have disheveled clothing. Yes? And stand before Allah Ta'ala in humility. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِ عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ جِيبُ دَعْوَةَ دَعِي إِذَا دَعَانِ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْلُنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ From the fuwa'id of this ayah, the first fa'idah is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا سَأَلَ This shows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knowledge of what? The future, whenever they ask. Jayyid. Number two, سَأَلَ When they ask. This shows what? That's the benefit of this. The hirs. The eagerness of the Sahaba to ask beneficial questions. Beneficial, not just questions, beneficial questions. And that's why wa yas'alunaka in the Quran. How many yas'alunaka in the Quran did they ask you? Only 13. SubhanAllah. Only 13 questions the Sahaba radiallahu they asked. And that's why they say, take this as a principle. For you to ask, and we've mentioned this before, a question which the Sahaba never asked. It's a bid'ah. It makes you mubtadir. That's why when the man came to my Malik, he said, Allah, we know he's above his throne. But how is he above his throne? Imam Malik, he said, The fact Allah Ta'ala is above his throne is known. Jayyid, Wal-Kayf, Majhul. As for how, it's unknown. Wal-Su'alu anhu bid'ah. To ask about it is a bid'ah. Wa ma araka illa mubtadi'an. I do not see yourself for a person of bid'ah. Anyone that asks a question, the Sahaba never asked, this is bid'ah. Why is this? Because there was nobody more eager in learning than the Sahaba. And there's nobody more qualified in asking the question than the Prophet But obviously, this is things that doesn't, يعني, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, were things that were not in their time. So for example, 
things like to do with technology, for example. Can I enter my phone with the bathroom and I've downloaded the Quran? In the time of the Sahaba, these things were not there. We don't mean things that we mean things that were known and the Prophet could have answered it and they never asked about it. For you to ask about it is a bid'ah. For example, Isa ibn Maryam, no matter how much science has progressed and advanced and our knowledge of science, for some to, some to say Allah raised him to the heavens, how? Because when we reach a certain altitude, there's no more oxygen. How did he survive? You can't ask these questions. It's a bid'ah. Jayid, helps the Sahaba to ask questions. Secondly, ibadi, my slaves. We said dua is one of the most, if not the most, honorable form of worship. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as the hadith of Prophet ma akrama ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's nothing more honorable in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than dua, than dua. Jayid, so Allah ta'ala says, when my slave asked of me, what is the benefit from this? The benefit from this is the excellence of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to his what is sharia that Allah Ta'ala attributed their servitude to who? To him, my servant. And you find therefore in the most honorable situation and context, if Allah wants to raise somebody, Allah calls him his what? His abd. So if you look at the Quran, so to Kahf, how does it begin? Alhamdulillah, ladhi anzala ala abdihi. Likewise, from the most honorable, the miraculous, Things that happened to the Prophet that Allah raised him with is Surah of Mi'raj. How does Surah Isra begin? Subhanallah, Asra bi Abdihi. The most honorable thing that indeed Subhanallah, Asra, who took or took his servant on Isra. So the most praiseworthy elevation of somebody to be what? Is Ubudiyah, is attributed to who? To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, Tabarakallahi. So the most glorious thing, the most honorable thing for you to be a servant of Allah Azza wa Jalla. And that's why we end this. Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, we do the other benefits, maybe in three weeks time. He ended with the saying or line of poetry Ibn Qayyim, in which he said, that you see people nowadays, they talk about freedom, freedom, freedom. He said, Harabu, and this is the time of Qayyim, look at our time today. Harabu min They ran away and they fled from the servitude which they were created for. And they've been tested, they fall into the calamity of slavery to their souls and to the shaitan. So true freedom, is in worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So be very careful when people say more freedom, 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 freedom. What they really mean is freedom from what? A lot of these people from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the shirk of Allah azza wa jalla. They are the ones truly in slavery. They're enslaved to their desires. Nobody in this world, when they say that I don't have a religion, you have a religion. Have you not seen the one who takes his desire as his God? Your religion. Because deen is your actions, is your desires. Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah.